I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. A quick PSA for our listeners, we are wrapping up our new episodes of 2022 tomorrow, Wednesday, the 21st. After that, Fifth Emission is going dark until we come back in the new year on Tuesday, January 3rd. 2022 has been an eventful year of news, and we wanted to spend one of our last episodes of the year revisiting one of the biggest headlines that we've covered. It was an international one, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia at the end of February. As a daily local news show, we wanted to cover it because there was so much local concern here in the Bay Area, and the international conflict impacted the day-to-day lives of Americans, from domestic politics to our gas prices. We also wanted to cover it because we met this man. Imagine just for a second, like Ukraine, like 40 million people right now. And for every single person that I was talking to, their lack of sleep. They just don't sleep. If I talk to someone, they're in constant stress. That's Maxim Zukov. He's a Ukrainian man who was studying for his PhD in mathematics at UC Berkeley. We spoke to him just days after the February 24th invasion when Chronicle photographer Gabriel Lurie took his picture at a demonstration and connected with him. Maxim wanted to share his perspective as a Ukrainian in the U.S. watching a conflict unfold in his home country. In the almost 10 months since we last chatted, a lot has happened with the Russia-Ukrainian war, though it's not getting as much attention as it did in the early months. Russia has not been able to capture Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine. It controls about 18% of the country. Ukrainian soldiers have been holding strong. They've been able to reclaim more than 50% of the land Russia captured after the February invasion. The costs have been enormous. An estimated 100,000 Russian and Ukrainian soldiers have been killed or wounded from each side of the conflict. Late last week, Russia unleashed more than 75 missiles at Ukrainian power plants in several cities, destroying crucial infrastructure. Today on Fifth Emission, we're bringing you a report from on the ground in Ukraine because our friend, Maxim Zukov, that UC Berkeley PhD student I mentioned earlier, reached out to us with an update. He's paused his studies to go back to Ukraine and lend a hand to his people. He founded the volunteer organization Support Ukraine With Us, which provides humanitarian aid to the areas of Ukraine most affected by the war. Maxim's been there since the summer, doing direct services work and capturing stories of his fellow Ukrainians instead of being in the safety of the UC Berkeley campus. We caught up with him to see how that work is going, what he's experiencing living in a war-torn country, and why he hopes that Americans don't lose sight of the conflict, even as it fades from the headlines. Later, you'll also hear from Ola Bihotska and Katrina Vajnenko, two Ukrainian women who will share what they're witnessing and experiencing during the war. First, my conversation with Berkeley PhD student Maxim Zubkov. I began by asking him why he decided to return to Ukraine as the conflict continues. I just wanted to be here. For me, when the conflict started, I felt that my soul, my brain, and everything just moved to Ukraine. So first six months of the war, I felt that my body was left in the United States and my soul was in Ukraine. So the first thing what I did, I went to see my family because thank God Dnipro wasn't like directly invaded by Russians and I was really worried. That was actually the first uh, driven force for me to pause my PhD is just to help my family, to support Mm -hmm. them. 
When you told your friends in the U.S., uh, your American acquaintances, I'm going to go back to Ukraine to help my people, what was the reaction that you got from, from folks? They thought that I'm crazy and joking. They tried to change my decision. All of them were like super worried about me. Some of my friends cried. I wanted to go to Ukraine since day one. So for me, it was like, I will be in Ukraine no matter what. But for them, it's like, I'm going to disappear from their side like for four or five months. So that was difficult for me to leave because I'm completely changing like my surroundings. But from other side, I'm going to see my friends and my family and be with my people. So people were shocked, but they know me and they know that they have no other choice because I will go no matter what. Were you worried about any of those risks that some of your American friends were sharing with you? I'm doing a math PhD, so I calculated the probabilities I'm going to hit by a rocket. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. relatively small. And then I checked the statistics for uh, what is the chance that I'm going to die in a car accident and stuff. So I used those arguments to convince my mom. But I personally wasn't scared. Mm-hmm. Where are you living at the moment? Can you describe how you're spending your time these days? I'm currently in city Dnipro. If you will imagine the Ukraine, the city is right in the middle. So right now I'm staying in a hotel because overall situation in Ukraine, I'm traveling around the country doing different projects. Today, for example, I spent a half of the day that I went with volunteers to the grocery store where we bought a lot of candies. We have a St. Nicholas Day today. In Ukraine, we celebrate uh, this holiday as a holiday for kids. So that's why as a small like project, I decided to go to the shelter with refugees uh, where they have around 250 people and 80 kids and decide to make a surprise for them to give them some sort of like light um, along, among this darkness. It was really emotionally difficult, to be honest, because when you hear people's stories and etc. But on the other side, I was pretty excited that when I saw those kids, we make some videos just to show people how it is in refugee shelters. And right now we have another project that we're going to do tomorrow. To, we're going to come back to the shelter and we're going to take the interview with people to hear more of their stories. Mm. How would you describe the focus of the different projects and initiatives that you're a part of right now? Is it focused on a humanitarian effort? Is it about collecting people's stories? How are you thinking about what you get involved in? When I founded Support Ukraine with us, my first goal was to support people. But my second, let's say, like bigger goal, when I approach certain issues, I'm trying to think in terms of rescaling. Uh, right now, for example, I'm working on, like, on the art projects. I also collecting stories to write a book, and I'm already talking to some journalists and trying to reach out to people. And our idea is just to collect those stories, especially from kids, and try to communicate to American audience or audience in Europe through the eyes of kids what is going on. So my goal is not only to provide direct help to people, but also to raise their awareness about Ukraine within Ukraine, in the United States and Europe, and also to raise awareness about other topics which are not as discussed. So I'm thinking about my work not only to help physically by delivering some products, 
but also help by raising the awareness and creating some sort of like movement or not. Mm-hmm. Has anything been surprising to you since you've arrived back in Ukraine? I'm sure you were anxious a little bit about arriving. Did anything surprise you? Imagine like your lifestyle. Put yourself in, uh, let's say, like zero Fahrenheit temperature. When you have electricity only up to five or six hours per day. Mm -hmm. So you have three hours during the day and three hours during the night. You have like family, kids, and a lot of work. And I got surprised, even in this extremely difficult situation, the whole nation, Ukrainians, they don't give up. Mm-hmm. They, they got used to these extremely difficult conditions super fast. I'm saying like to my fellow Ukrainians and to my friends that it's really bad that we got to used to bad things really fast. Mm. And I was surprised by that. I wasn't scared, but uh, first week f- for me was extremely difficult. To be honest, I got emotionally broke down because I wasn't able to do any work. But within a week, I got used to it. I decided, okay, so if I cannot work during the day, I will sleep during the day and work during the night when I have the light. Mm. So that probably was one of the main things that I was surprised by, how people getting used to bad things super fast. Right. One thing that I remember from our last conversation is when I asked you what you were hearing from people in your hometown, and many of them told you that they just don't sleep because they're in a state of constant stress. What is it like now? Now is, it depends where you in Ukraine right now. The whole Ukrainian nation went through different stages of consciousness about this war. There is a contradictory statement that Ukrainians shouldn't celebrate and shouldn't be happy uh, outside of war. So basically, a lot of people getting mad at people if they posting like some funny social media posts. But my point is, we live our regular life, but at the same time, we cautious about rockets that might kill us. So for us right now, it's not the problem that if the rocket is going to hit our car. It's like the problem is this rocket might change our plans what we're going to do during the day. Mm. We do not forget that we are people, that our life must continue, that we also need to go to the restaurant, to go have fun, because our soldiers fighting for us not to be sad, our soldiers fighting for us to us to have our regular life. But at the same time, Do not forget that war is still going. More with Maxim Zukov after the break. He shares a message to Americans who may not be watching the war in Ukraine as closely anymore and what he hopes your takeaway from this conversation will be. Later, you'll hear from Ola Bihotska and Katrina Vajnenko, two Ukrainian women who will share their personal experiences of the war. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Maxim Zukov, you paused your Ph.D. program at UC Berkeley to help people in your home country who have been impacted by Russian attacks 
How have Ukrainians reacted to your decision to leave California and return? They thought again that I was crazy. <laughs> and why I left sunny California? Because when there is Russian shelling and bombing, sometimes we don't have like heat connection, electricity for a couple of days. But at the same time, they were really, really proud that our nation, that we Ukrainians have this kind of people, because I'm not the only one. I know a lot of different stories who came back to Ukraine and some of them unfortunately died. Mm. Soldiers, some doctors who went to the front line, but I'm not at the front line. My percent of the risk that I'm taking on myself is probably a thousand times smaller the percent of the risk that our people fighting at the front line. Right. And there, I know a lot of stories. There are like people who just gave their life and got the highest uh, award from President Zelensky. And uh, this is like the real hero, to be honest. Mm. Well, speaking of the risks, there, there has been intensified Russian attacks in the last few days. What makes you most worried about what may happen next? I'm most worried about that they will keep trying by sending like thousands of troops. And at some point, I'm really, really worried that as one of the options, they will try to use tactical nuclear weapons. <laughs> Last time when I left Ukraine on February 11th, Russia invaded Ukraine within like 13 days. This time when I'm going to leave Ukraine, I'm really worried that Russia is again going to invade Ukraine from the Russian side. And we know that Iran is also like supporting Russia with missiles. So we see right now how this conflict is slowly escalating into more countries to be involved in this. You know, it did feel like in the immediate weeks after the February invasion that everyone in America was really paying attention to the conflict. That obviously has changed. How has that made you feel? I was upset. I was angry because I didn't understand why, why people do not care, why I need to message like my friends over and over again to make a donation, why they don't ask me how I'm doing, why no one is like message me while I'm in Ukraine, how are you doing? But then I remembered when there were like other conflicts, like let's say in Syria or like in Yemen or in other parts of the world. This thing that doesn't affect you directly, you usually don't care about. And from other things, I will just need to accept people the way they are. And uh, whenever I'm going to come back to the United States, uh, to Berkeley, I can just do something to make people aware, to relate to them in terms of using personal stories of Ukrainians. It's really difficult for a person to relate to, to the conflict in Ukraine if they have no connection to it. Mm -hmm. I want at least one person who is going to listen to this podcast, just imagine for a second a life of a fellow Ukrainian in Ukraine. And just imagine like through what that person might go like every day. And I'm going to be even more happy if that person is going to do something. For example, they're going to go and read some news about Ukraine. And that sort of things will create some sort of movement that people might donate, might try to reach out to some fellow Ukrainians. Because 
number one problem right now for us uh, are uh, volunteers. People getting emotionally exhausted pretty fast. Maxim, has the past year changed your views on your Ukrainian identity? How do you think about that now? I feel that I am more Ukrainian even than I was before February 24th. I will never imagine that something like this will happen. That I will pause my PhD, leave the country, go stay in Ukraine for like a half of the year. And to be honest, I don't even want to come back because I want to stay here and do my work. I ask myself a simple question. What should I do to try to improve and to do things better? So that's why I need to come back to finish my PhD, to establish more connections, to probably rescale, make my projects bigger. And all of that I'm doing because I feel for my country, I feel for my people, and I want to help them with all possible kind of mind that I have. Mm -hmm. And I just want to try to do more. That's it. Well, Maxim, it's been, you know, a real honor to watch how you've been involving and engaging people around this issue. Thank you again for reaching back out to our podcast and for sharing your experience with us. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Cecilia. Just telling the story and through the previous show, we got some volunteering connections and people to reach out to us. So thank you so much for this opportunity and thank you so much for your help. Maxim Zukov is a UC Berkeley mathematics PhD student who put his studies on hold to volunteer and help people in his home country of Ukraine. To learn more about his work and to support it, visit supportukrainewithus.com. Over the weekend, we talked to two women in Ukraine whose lives have been transformed in the last year by the war with Russia. We want to share their voices with you now. Meet Ola Bihotska. She's a 26-year-old volunteer paramedic with the Hospitallers Medical Battalion, a non-military paramedic group founded in 2014, which was the first year of the Russo-Ukrainian War. She was working in IT, making good money, which she says she was saving to buy her first house. But after the February 24th invasion, she left her job and applied her previous medical science education to become a volunteer paramedic. My name is Olya, and I'm from the capital of Ukraine, beautiful and amazing Kiev. And now I'm here, but in a week I'm going to the front line as a paramedic of the medical battalion. Before the 24th of February, I was a product quality manager in IT company. So I become a paramedic when I realized that I should be near the front line, help people. My team, we have to be ready for casualties and provide them urgent medical help. It can be civilians, militaries, or even enemies. Time is life. Every second is about losing blood and chances for the person to come back home alive. For me, part of the war is also about um, my preparing for mental problems in the future, like PTSD, anxiety, problems with sleeping, and so on. So my mind 
it's changed, obviously. I sometimes spoke about this with my friends and I figure out that a lot of them really don't see their future. And the same with me. So I don't know what will be after the victory. I just want to see this day. That was Ola Bihotska, a volunteer paramedic with the Hospitaller's Medical Battalion. For more information on that organization or to donate, go to hospitallers.life. There's two L's in Hospitaller's. Katrina Vajnenko is a 20-year-old university student in Kyiv. She also worked as an HR manager in the advertising industry before the February invasion. As you'll hear her say, her employer was based in Russia, and she had business contacts in Belarus and Kazakhstan. She left her job shortly after the invasion because she found the work atmosphere hostile to her as a Ukrainian. My name is Katrina, and I'm in Kyiv right now. Actually, I was born in Zaporizhia, but for now, it's not the best place to live <laughs> before the invasion. I have like normal life. Uh, I have to study. I have to work. I was working in the advertisements field and I worked in the international company. But unfortunately, the head department was based in Russia. So after 24th of February, like coaches that were based in Moscow, they says, oh, darling, I can't hear you. They can hear the siren. It was so loudly. And they says, oh, just go to another place, please. I says, where? <laughs> just to bomb shelter. And after that, next day, I just left this work. It just says, I'm done with that. Because I worked with Belarus, with Kazakhstan market, but there were a lot of situations when you have to not to say that you're Ukrainian because some people they cannot understand. So I started university more than three years ago. For now, it's not a piece of cake. It's really hard because you have no electricity when you have studies. You have no electricity when you have work and everything that you have to do is to wait and it's, it's just hard to to plan anything it is planned not by you by by electricity the hardest thing is you say that oh i have no electricity oh i have no water right now and you blame of course russia but then you realize that you have to like be quiet about that because you have to think about soldiers that are cold right now, that are outside, that uh, have no food, that have to fight in order for you to just live your normal life. After that, you say to yourself, oh, I will figure it out. I will deal with that. Everything's not so bad. I can do this. 
That was Katrina Vajdenko, a 20-year-old university student who spoke to Fifth Emission from Kyiv, Ukraine. Thank you to her and Ola Bihotska for speaking with us, as well as Maxim Zukov. Again, if you'd like more information on how to help Ukrainians affected by the war, visit supportukrainewithus.com. Big thanks to King Kaufman and Sarah Feldberg for producing and editing this episode, and to you for listening. <laughs>